Hey everyone, this is John Alba from The Extreme Life of Mad Hardy. Now, every single week on the podcast, you get to hear me and my buddy Mad Hardy talk all about the great wrestling stories from his career. And if you notice at the beginning of the podcast, we like to talk about the current happenings in the wrestling world. Well, that's not the only time all week long I get to do that. In fact, I've got a website I want to tell you all about. That is WrestlingAccordingToAlba.com. This is your chance to interact with me one-on-one every single week, multiple times, whether it's Ask Alba Q&As, tape studies where we break down famous wrestling matches, move for move, preview and review shows of WWE and AEW pay-per-views, and much, much more. If you like my takes on wrestling, or even if you don't, and you just want to talk about them in person with me, one-on-one, this is your opportunity to do so and join a great community of wrestling fans. Go to WrestlingAccordingToAlba.com now and join for as low as $4.99 a month. That's $4.99 a month cheaper than your cup of coffee at Starbucks. And join me for some great wrestling conversation about all the fantastic matches that we are seeing week in and week out with some of the best talent in the world. That's WrestlingAccordingToAlba.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Woo! As an adult, don't we all miss spring break? Nothing like taking a week off from all your responsibilities. Well, here's the next best thing for adults a spring break from house payments. SaveWithConrad.com can help you get rid of all your credit card debt just like that. We're routinely helping our listeners save five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this, but check this out no house payments for two months at SaveWithConrad.com. Words are about to be spoken here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, presented to you by the ad-free shows and the podcast Heat Networks. I'm John Alba, joined as I am every single week by the broken one, the woken one, the spoken one himself, the purveyor of deletion, Mr. Matt Hardy. How are you, man? I'm good. How goes it on your end, John? Is it really you? It is really me. Yeah, it's really me. Uh, The podcast has not been hacked. It is really me. Yeah, I am here. I'm here in Austin, Texas, and uh, I got some barbecue last night at the airport. And once the lady recognized me and realized that was Matt Harding, the cooks came out and wanted to take pictures. They hooked me up with uh, like three plates, so I'm eating some barbecue for breakfast. Oh boy, you can't beat it! Wow, what do we got? I also have good barbecue too. What's mm-hmm. on the menu? Mm. It was just barbecue, buddy. Well, yeah, but last why? night I, I want to know what kind of barbecue are we talking here. Pulled pork. Pulled pork. That's so, classic Matt Hardy, if I've ever seen it. For sure. So last night, as I was leaving Austin, I was hungry, and I was going to grab something to eat on the way back to the hotel. And we stopped by. There was a little barbecue joint. Jeff had walked ahead of me. And I ordered pulled pork and brisket as a combo. And then she gave me some sides, and then there was someone from the back said, Oh, my God, Matt Hardy, you guys are here tomorrow. I'm so excited. This is so amazing. She said, You Matt Hardy? You Matt Hardy? I said, I'm gonna give you some more, honey. What do you want? What you want? Pork, pork, or brisket? What do you want? And then she got a whole nother box and filled it with 
pulled pork, put other side so I get like twice the orders. And then she gave me like a couple of these containers. She said, here you go. Here's a bunch of pulled pork. This should last you for a couple of days. I said, thank you, ma'am. I said, I am here for it. Okay. I'm here for that as well. A pulled pork, not traditionally Texas barbecue. That's more Carolina barbecue up your alley there. But you get a little brisket, which is very much te Texas barbecue. How was the brisket? The brisket was good. It was very, very good. And uh, But Austin is a little more notoriously famous for pulled pork, too. They have many more pulled pork restaurants here. Austin is the hipster spot in Texas, and that's where AEW Dynamite is coming from this yes. week as we tape this. We are live on ad-free shows uh, for our top guys and top gals, we got a boy, Josh Fields, in here. He says, what's up, Matt and John? It's an absolutely wonderful day here. Well, hell, Josh Fields. It's so great to hear from you, and it's so great to have you here joining us today as we record this episode about the Macho Man Randy Savage. We will be talking about the Macho Man Randy Savage. We've got a lot to talk about before we even get into all the entertaining stuff about the macho man first let's talk about the hacking because this this blew up the internet this past weekend matt uh how how did this all happen what's the latest here with your twitter account what a hack this guy was to begin with so i'll start by saying this <clears throat> to to back up the story a little bit and put everything into context and give you some perspective on uh where this all went down so <clears throat> months ago my wife had asked me about going to a sick new world which was this huge festival being held in Las Vegas. And I realized it was on Mother's Day and I did it as a Mother's Day gift, right? So some of her favorite bands, which include Korn and System of the Down, they were uh, uh, they were playing there. And there were tons of bands. I mean, there was literally uh, almost 100 bands that played on different stages and whatnot. So I set her up, I did that. And lo and behold, I did the johnny christ podcast which is drinks with johnny when i was in vegas last year at this time for double or nothing and we kind of became buddies at that point he's been doing a podcast during the pandemic uh avenge sevenfold stopped playing uh they'd been going through some stuff as a band anyway so they literally just got back and they just started uh playing again so i found out on friday that they were doing a surprise show in vegas so we went on friday we we're able to go to this show it was great got to catch up with him had a good time uh, met some really cool people while we were there hanging out. And then the next day we were going to sick new world, which had all these bands that my wife like grew up loving. Right. So it was a big day for her and it was her mother's day gift. So we, we get to the festival. We're having a good time. We're hanging out. Although I, I do admit just even getting to the VIP area where we were, I took probably 200 pictures. It was, it was brutal in, in, in that capacity for me, it was tough, but it was fun. Once we got there and the band started playing rock and rolling, then all of a sudden I started getting messages. And then I realized that I'd been hacked. And apparently what happened is whenever I had the, uh, the, the two-step authentication on my Twitter, obviously. And I think whenever Elon took away everyone's blue checks that didn't subscribe to Twitter blue, I think the two-step verification went away as well. So then like he gave me mine back because apparently anyone that had over a million followers, he reinstated their accounts. So mine didn't have that two-step verification on it. So this guy was able to get into my account. And then I'm telling my wife this, and she's like, holy fuck, uh, let, let me do this. And let me try and help you out. So now she's in the midst of a battle against this hacker. And our internet is shit where we're at. We're this, uh, you know, th this area in Vegas, and the internet sucks. There's a million phones out there. So it was already probably stressed out anyway, because there were so many people pulling signals from that area. You know, there was fucking, there was 50,000 people there. 
and uh, whatever it was, it was packed. And anyway, she's going, she's like battling the hacker back and forth, and her band Corn is playing, and I like felt so bad for her, and I was like, holy shit, this is the worst because she's much faster than me when it comes to typing and doing stuff. And I'm on the phone with, you know, with AW and with Jeff Jones, and we're trying to figure this out, and we're going back and forth with the hacker, and she like gets in, but then like before she can get like a two-step verification set authenticated, uh, boom, the, the hacker gets back in, and we're going back and forth. It's literally like this game of, of chess. And then eventually we get to the point where they just shut the account down so nobody can get into it. So that was fine after we did that. We had a couple of days. But this hacker, of course, whenever a hacker gets in someone's account that has over a million followers, they want to post the craziest, most insane messages and, and tweets and just to create a stir, to, to create a, a scenario where they're trying to entertain people saying the worst things possible, right? So they do that. And my wife was just mega – she was just so – she was mega aggravated then the whole evening and it kind of put a damper on the rest of the concert, but it turned out lo and behold, once we realized it, the next day we traveled, we got back home and we enjoyed the day overall, but it really did put a big damper on the concert, this hacker doing this thing. So then it was a couple days because as the people at AW told me, uh, Twitter support is much weaker than it used to be because only a very small percentage of the company works there that did before. So it ended up taking two or three days to get my account back, but finally it got reinstated and, and we're all set now. And I do have the two-step authenticator on there and, uh, and we should be good going forward, but it was, uh, it was a hectic day and I will, it will be forever embedded and burned in my mind. My wife battling this hacker with little to no service while her favorite group of all time corn is playing on the stage and, and we're there watching it. So bless her heart. Uh, she, she tried to help me out the best she could as she was going one-on-one -on -one with the hacker. And th this was, this hacker was like badass too. He was like quickly like erasing every phone number we had in there. He was quickly erasing every email, whatever, even as we were going back and forth. So they said he was like a, a really a top-notch hacker, but eventually they got his information, they got his IP, they got his emails and they had all this stuff compromised. So he had to, to turn everything over and, and they shut him out. Maybe that was the same guy that hacked Ethan Page back in the day. Maybe that was Ethan Page's revenge on you for the firm deletion. Uh, it's, Maybe. It's, it's very possible. A, a few things I, I want to pick you on there. Uh, number one, I mean, there was the one tweet that, uh, like you said, a broken clock is right two times a day even, yeah. uh, which was, quote, at Rebby Hardy, I'm trying to fuck. And she, she actually quote tweeted that. She put, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, number two, I actually just texted her while you were on that little tangent there saying that she can give you all the shit in the world for referring to the band as system of the down, which sounded system very, boomer, which sounded very, very boomer of you, but yeah. uh, I'm glad that you yeah, guys cool. had a good time. Aside from that, live music is the best, man. There's nothing that tops live music. That's why I'll pay copious amounts of cash for live music because it truly is the best and i know it's you don't get a chance to get away with Rebby all that much so that's good that you guys were able to make a trip we got chris here top guy chris we got brian in here as well we got good morning, Brian. we got eddie who says let Rebby have three minutes with the hacker oh boy i don't think he could handle it i don't think so either matt we do got to talk about this something happened Right before we dropped our episode last week, we had already taped, so we couldn't add anything to it. But we lost a really dear friend of ours here at the Extreme yes. Life of Matt Hardy, a very, very important member of the ad-free shows and podcast Heat team uh, and the uh, original producer 
of the Extreme yeah. Life of Matt Hardy, Josh Odom. Some of you may have seen this on social media. Uh, Josh, just in his low 30s, passed away unexpectedly last week. Uh, a heartbreaking thing for all of us here. And I know you really appreciated Josh's efforts in helping get the show off the ground. Uh, what would you like yes. to say about Josh? Um, <clears throat> it's terribly sad and tragic. And it was shattering to even learn this. I mean, it's a a young man that was only 33 years old who had a wife and child. Uh, gosh, just it, it it's so unfair. And, and once again, it it makes you kind of put everything in perspective when you think about like uh, life is fleeting and no one is promised the next day. And uh I hate this because Josh was a sweetheart. He was uh, such a hard worker. He worked so hard with us originally on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy when we were kicking off. And as I said, I uh, he, he was he was one of our guys, you know, from the jump. So that 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 made it even more tragic and and sad. But it's it's just devastating to learn when you think about human life that is lost so early and and so suddenly and you know, without reason, it seems like in many, many ways. So I just, uh, I feel for his family. I feel, I feel for his family and all my condolences go out to Josh and his family. Yeah. We, uh, we got the news. I, I can't remember if it was Wednesday or Thursday, but I believe it was Thursday. And my, my heart just dropped like that feeling you get when your stomach just feels like there's a pit in it. Right. And yeah, um, Josh loved working with you he loved it he was so grateful to be part of our team with the extreme life and yeah, you know, we we reorganized internally a few months back but even after we did that he still offered me all the time to help out if i needed anything with producing the show he took a lot of pride in working with you and and he really saw you as someone who was very real and honest and easy to work with. And I know he valued the opportunity to work with you, Matt. Uh, my deepest condolences go out to Carla, his wife and their family, their kids. Just a tragedy, man. And this guy, like Jack of all trades here, he was doing work with Premier Streaming Network. He was going to do some work with Impact. He was like a volunteer firefighter. He was basically the unofficial mayor of his small town, just a, a terrible loss for our community, man. Terrible. Just it's, yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's, it's, it's shattering, shattering, man. So our thoughts and our love go out to the Odom family. If you were lucky enough to know Josh, please share your stories. A lot of people have been on social media. There's also a GoFundMe that's been set up that is going directly to the family of Josh Odom for any expenses that they are going to be encountering during this time. If you would like to donate, I'm going to link the GoFundMe page in the podcast information on both YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, wherever, streamhardy.com. I'm going to link to it. If you have the financial means to support their family, please do, uh, because I know they could certainly use this at this time. Eddie says Josh was one of the best humans that I got to know. And I am in complete agreement with you. So we yes. are thankful for Josh's contributions to this podcast. And we send nothing but the best to the family of Josh Odom. 
Uh, let's let's change the mood a little bit here, Matt, because this is a great day as as we tape this podcast, especially for the wrestling world. We got the announcement this morning on Wednesday of AW Collision. We've been talking about it for a couple months here, leading up to this with all the speculation. Right. But Matt, this is official now. Prime time show on the TNT network. The logo is an homage to. WCW Saturday nights and Nitro, very exciting stuff. Major expansion for AEW with the Turner Networks. What's your initial reaction? Uh, I mean, it's it's great news for AEW. Uh, it's great news for AEW, obviously, because it's going to uh, equate to a bigger income, bigger television rights, uh, which is going to help out the company and going to help the company grow. And also, the company has such a large roster. It's hard to put everyone on Dynamite and Rampage. So these extra two hours are going to help all the talent find uh, a place on the television show. And I think that's one of the biggest benefits of it by far. What do you think about Saturday night's primetime? It's going to be interesting. I mean, I, I think uh, I, I think a Saturday night primetime show can do well. I, I do remember... Even when I was looking back at some of the history of Macho Man Randy Savage this morning while I was doing cardio, uh, some of his moments on Saturday night's main event, which was obviously a late Saturday night show, but man, that was that I remember how excited myself and my brother would get to, to watch a Saturday night's main event. So I uh, I hope that this Saturday night time slot can capture recapture some of that magic that you know the Saturday night main event used to have back in the day. It's something that I really am anticipated on, on seeing and i really look forward to watching so i hope the uh i hope collision can do that collision launches june 17th 8 p.m it will be every single saturday night 8 p.m to 10 p.m eastern standard time in the press release aw and tony khan touted that aw has reached 23 million total viewers so far this year across all of its shows on tbs and tnt and i believe the uh source on that is that they have registered at least one minute watched of AEW programming since the beginning of 2023 with 23 million people. Uh, I found this one quote to be really interesting in the press release, and I want to bring it up to you. It okay. comes from Jason Sarlan is the president of Turner Networks. He says, quote, we're doubling down on wrestling with AEW Collision, which gives fans two more hours every week. AW's roster of talent has expanded so quickly that we felt it needed another night to bring our audience the epic rivalries, unforgettable matches, and stars they love to watch. Adding Collision to our programming mix on TNT will allow us to satisfy the massive demand we felt from our hardcore fan base and be the ultimate complement to AW Dynamite on TBS. Now, what stood out to me about that quote, Matt, is he mentions the hardcore fan base. And I feel like in the discourse of AEW in general, it always comes up that AEW just keeps playing to the hardcore fan base. They're not appealing to casuals enough. What about the casual viewers? But this press release indicates that Turner and Warner Brothers Discovery are not afraid to lean into the fact that AEW has such a hardcore fan base. What are your thoughts on that? I, I mean, that's a positive for AEW, without a doubt, that uh, you know the Turner folk are all about the hardcore pro wrestling fan base because because i i really do the, the hardcore fan base they're gonna tune in each and every week even if they complain about the show even if they uh pretend to hate the show whatever it may be they're gonna tune in because at the end of the day they love pro wrestling and and those are the fans that you know 
you, you always have to appreciate because they are always going to be there. And, you know, me, I'm a big advocate, especially after being around for 31 years. I, I do think to grow the pro wrestling fan base of AEW, I, I do think we need to appeal to some more casual fans who might not be all about just the wrestling and, and the five-star matches. I, I think you you can garner some fans and gain some fans by having characters that are on a journey that is extremely compelling. And I think that is something that is important. And, and that is done in AEW. Don't, I'm not acting like it isn't done. That is done in AEW. But I still think at the end of the day, AEW focuses on giving a great wrestling product when it's all said and done. And, and I, I think that's cool that uh, the, the people from uh, Warner Media and, and Turner, that they're leaning into that. And, and that's what they, uh, they approve of. So it's going to be exciting. And it's, I'm, I'm really excited to see how Collision, to see if it adds to the excitement around AEW or if it waters it down. You know, it, it, that, that's going to be interesting. And, and, and I believe... You know, my gut feeling tells me it's going to add to the excitement because I, I think it's going to be two pretty different rosters. So the shows are going to look differently. So I, I think we could get to a deal where the shows are going to almost compete against one, one another. And I, I think there's times where when Raw and SmackDown seem very different and you're like, oh, shit, like SmackDown's better than Raw or Raw is better than SmackDown. And I think that kind of motivates everyone to work a little harder and be a little better. And I think that goes from the in-ring wrestlers to the people behind creative and, and the people booking the show and whatnot. So hopefully we have that effect, you know, from dynamite and collision. Well, and that's the one element of this that is now legitimate where this is not complementary programming to dynamite in the same way that rampage was. This is now yes. equal to dynamite. This is a two hour primetime show and sure it's on a Saturday night, but right in theory, this is, just as important as Dynamite is now for the AEW brand. Yes, a co Collision and Dynamite are going to be on the same level, where Rampage is more of a supplementary show. Right. You mentioned the different rosters. Now, that has not been officially confirmed, but I think that that is generally the belief, especially with how the press release was touting people like Miro and Andrade El Idolo, people we don't really see on Dynamite anymore. And Sean Ross Sapp, a friend of the show, has reported extensively this week that it's essentially going to be a hard brand split. And I know you haven't had anything confirmed on your end. I'm sure you guys are just finding out a lot of this information yeah. as the general public does. But once again, that's things I've heard through the grapevine. Uh, you know, that's just hearsay. But, <laughs> but that's, that's what it seems like. That's what it seems like they're going for. How do locker rooms feel about that? Like you just said, it pushes people, but getting split up from your coworkers, you've been in that position before in WWE. What does that bring to the table from a talent standpoint? Uh, I mean, I, I'm okay with that. You know, where I'm, I'm old enough. I know who I am. I'm comfortable wherever I, wherever I go. Uh, I, I just want to obviously be with my brother and, and we're obviously going to be stuck together because we're kind of a package deal right now as, as the Hardys. So as, as long as I'm with Jeff, uh, I'm, I'm good, man. Yeah. And I think having this split, regardless of whether it's a hard split or a soft split, so many more talents are going to get opportunities, which I think is just essential for growing your brand. Like, I could see a scenario where Miro becomes a, a big-time player in AEW, which I think is something a lot of fans have wanted. What would be your advice to some of those talent that are going to get a chance now to be featured in a higher light on AW programming? 
I mean, first and foremost, the, the roster is so big, it is hard for everyone to get the appropriate amount of time on Dynamite, especially to become a big star. You know, it, it's hard. You you really have to kind of pick a handful of guys and, and kind of build around those guys. That, that's, that's how it is when you only have a two-hour show, really, that is like your feature show. But now that we have Collision, there's going to be some guys who are going to get an opportunity to to do things they might not have gotten on Dynamite. And I think there was one point where where Miro was was red hot, maybe even white hot, you know, and, and he could have been a big deal. So I, I think it's going to be a great opportunity for those guys. And and the, the, the best advice I feel like I give anyone that's going to be on that show is just like whatever you're given, make the most of it. And I, I think that's some of the best advice I can give anybody in the wrestling business. Like you're going to be given stuff. Sometimes it is really, really good, and it's it's going to be just uh, fun as shit to do it, and and you and you rock and roll, and and you you know you you make uh, you make lemonade out of these lemons, uh, and there's going to be sometimes where you're given stuff you don't like, and you have to make lemonade out of those lemons because it's something you're not necessarily a fan of. Uh, so just my my best advice I can give anyone is just make the most out of whatever you have to work with. I would agree with that entirely very excited to see what this means for AEW and who shows up on these shows there's rumors going around that uh, the fight forever game is going to be debuting really soon which would be great synergy for AEW and doing all this expansion this is good for the industry regardless of what people want to yes. say this is good for the industry I know that wrestling is not a sport per se, but I do think that some networks view pro wrestling in a similar lens as a live sports property. And here's the reality, Matt. There is not another number two company in American professional sports or in that realm that is as successful in its own bubble as AEW is in the pro wrestling sphere. There's no secondary pro baseball league in America that is as right. successful as AEW is in wrestling or the XFL and the USFL are not at the same level in the bubble that AEW is in wrestling in getting money like this. I think it's really healthy for the industry. Very healthy. And, and once again, pro wrestling is a show when live that really draws viewers. Uh, so, so that that's very beneficial. And, and I'm so glad that, uh, you know, the uh, Warner Media people are doubling down on AW. What do you think about your little rampage segment this past week where now apparently you and the ass boys have beef and there's more contract stuff? Your brother said no more contract stuff, please. And you said just one more, just one more. It sounds like you're trying to get Ethan Page to see some of the errors of his own ways here, Matt. Yeah, I mean, uh, <clears throat> the expression that I use there, and you'll probably hear it a few more times, I, I would like to exchange the experience with him. I would like him to understand what it feels like to have someone hold your contract and treat you unfairly, as he did to me. And that's kind of the, the goal of this match. You know, if I, I'm, I'm ready to fight the ass boys at any time. You know, we'll, we'll show them what it's all about being the, the GOATs, the greatest blood brother tag team of all time, myself and Brother Nero. Uh, will step in the ring and whip their little asses. <clears throat> but Ethan Page, on the other hand, for him to be included in the match, I definitely want something out of him. Because like, if I if I never see Ethan Page again in my life, it'll be too soon. So I, I needed some sort of stipulation to actually fight him again because I've been trying to get away from him for eight months. The last thing I want to do is get back in the ring with this, this hole of the ass. So anyway, 
I set up the stipulation and they agreed and we've already put the, the, the contract in motion. So it's, it's going to happen. It's going to go down. Matt Hardy has been involved with a lot of contracts in his AEW tenure. So let's hope that this is the last of the few contracts for a while. And we just get to see the Hardy boys and the Hardy party run wild as I believe a lot of people would like to see. And you know, if Ethan page has to suffer for his crimes, so be it. Let it happen, and we will let it play out. Of course, which is much, much, much like much like Stokely said about Tony Khan, Ethan Page will pay for his crime. <laughs> we'll let it play out. That's a shirt you can get at boxgimmicks.com. It's the summer season, baby. Get those t-shirts. You know you want to get it. See the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy collection. Matt, this has been a lot of good discourse here. We're going to talk about the Macho Man in just a minute here, but before we can do that, please hit us with your Matt fact. Matt fact. Matt demands a bathtub in his hotel room. You're a soaker, right? Oh, my God, yes. Especially when your vessel is as beat up as mine is <laughs> after 31 years of damaging it. Yeah, last night, actually, I decided to spout off this Matt fact today. I came to my hotel room last night, and there was only a shower. I just immediately called and said, I need a bathtub in my room. <laughs> uh, we, we've got to change this. We've got to change this hotel room. So that, that's going to be something I'm going to start putting in my contract. Speaking of contracts, only book, <laughs> book me a hotel room with a bathtub in it. A shower doesn't work. I've, I've got to soak my vessel, guys. It's going to be part of your tour rider, man. It's like like David Lee Roth with the CERN color M&Ms. You got to make sure that they've got those things at your behest. I feel that. I feel that. A good soak goes a long way. I understand that, especially when you got the meat sweats from all that barbecue that you're eating. Of course. I understand. I don't that. get the meat sweats, though. No. I'm too, I'm I'm doing shape, John. Maybe that's just my ass <laughs> working up. Who could never be sure, Matt Hardy? Let's talk about the Macho Man. And for those of you who are joining us live on adfreeshows.com, if you have questions during the course of this, feel more than free. Now, normally, Matt, when you and I do these topical episodes, I'll have all these notes and stuff planned. But because we're talking about someone that you idolized, someone that you love, someone who's arguably the biggest reason that you became a pro wrestler. I just right. want to pick your brain on it. And we got a ton of Ask Matt questions from our fans, and I'm going to let those questions guide the course of this episode. So that's why you guys got okay. to send in your Ask Matt questions. So I guess I'll start with this one to get us going here. When's the first time you can remember seeing the Macho Man Randy Savage and what stood out most about him to you? This is kind of my earliest memories of the, of the Macho Man. So myself and my brother, we saw much more NWA programming than WWF at the time because it, it was on a lot of the free television channels that we got. And we were very attracted to the NWA programming because it looked very real. But like we saw WWF and it was larger than life. It was all this glitz and glamour. And the first memory I really have of Macho Man was hearing all the fallout of the WrestleMania three match, him versus Ricky Steamboat, and how great of a match that was and how big of a deal it was. So that is really my first impression and memories of Macho Man Randy Savage. What do you remember about that match? You just said you heard a lot about it, but once you finally got to see it, what do you remember really grabbing your attention about it? That, that it was just a phenomenal wrestling match. And it was it was a wrestling match that was kind of like above and beyond any other wrestling matches at that time. I, I know there were so many false finishes in it. There were a ton of false finishes, which they didn't typically do in a WWE match at that time. That was like a match that was like, had a much higher work rate 
than many of the other matches that were happening at that time. And it was much faster paced. It was much more kind of a, an example of a more modern day professional wrestling match. And, and, and I think that's what stood out more than anything else. And just the fact that Macho Man was in that uh, and Ricky Steamboat, someone I'm, I'm also always been a huge fan of was in it as well. I, I think that really, that really made me a fan of both guys. Once I, once I saw this match after hearing about it. Top guy Eddie's watching. He says, where do you rank the Savage Steamboat WrestleMania three match? I mean, at the time, it is one of the greatest matches of all time. Looking back at it now in hindsight, I mean, things have changed a lot in the wrestling business. And it kind of pretend, it, it kind of depends on what your perspective is of pro wrestling in general. Like, if you like something that is totally based in reality, you know, that match probably ranks a little higher. But if you like something that has uh, a lot more high spots and a lot more athleticism in it, it, it might not be as high nowadays. But when that match first happened, in its day, when when it was live in the present, it was one of the greatest matches of all time. And I, I still think it is because it's a, a standard bear. You know, it really set a precedent for what a great wrestling match could be. I want to talk about Macho Man's intangibles, because I think when you talk about Randy Savage, there are two avenues you can take. You can say he's an all time great, larger than life character. Or you can right. say, man, this guy really could go. And he, he really could mix it up with the absolute best of them. So intangible-wise, what stood out to you as young Matt Hardy about the Macho Man? Uh, his persona, man, more than anything. And the reason I became a big fan of his was the commercial he had. If I'm not mistaken, it was for Hot Wheels. But there was a commercial that he had where he opened up his robe and he had all these little toy cars on both sides of the ropes. And he's like, oh, yeah, dig it. You know, and he's talking with the raspy voice. He's a larger-than-life personality. He's got this incredible, flashy, and charismatic robe on. He's wearing these big-ass shades, you know, and he has this crazy hair. But he just, with his raspy voice and his persona and his attitude, he was just a character that was larger than life. He seemed like a superhero. And that's the first thing that really attracted me to Macho Man. And then once I, I watched him wrestle a few times and I learned his finishing move was jumping off the top ropes and, and jumping off the top rope and doing an elbow drop, then I became an even bigger fan because not many guys did that at that time. Most guys did like a normal finishing move, but this guy came off the top rope and he was a high flyer. How do you think he changed the perception of some big time stars at that time? Because when you're talking that era, Macho Man right. comes in, he's after Bruno, who, as we know, Bruno is this larger-than-life beefcake, right? Hulk Hogan right. is not exactly a guy who's known for his finesse. He's Hulk Hogan. He's going to hit the poses. He's going to look like a million bucks. He's going to do the leg drop, and that's it. Macho Man is kind of a hybrid of the worker and the image. How did he help break those barriers? I mean, I mean, he did, especially for someone to become a uh, a, a top guy, because there, there weren't guys that necessarily did maneuvers like he did then. You know, that, that was probably shunned upon, especially by the guys who were the regular workers. They, they didn't want to, like, take more risks. They didn't want to take more chances. They didn't want to put their body in more jeopardy. You know, but I remember Macho Man, he would run and do the deal where he would spring over the top rope and drape someone's neck to the floor he would go off the top rope, do the double axe handle to the floor. His finisher was the elbow drop off the top. But nobody was really doing stuff like that. You know, 
back in the day, guys were simple. It was strikes and blows, and they would do like a basic move, and, and they would grab a hold, and they would keep working back to that hold over and over and over again and try and keep the baby face in jeopardy, try and keep him down, and the baby face would keep fighting out of it. So I feel like he was one of the – one of the guys who really like broke the mold of like what a top guy could be at that time. How much do you think it helped that he came from a legitimate sports background? This was a guy who was signed by the St. Louis Cardinals as a catcher right out of high school. He was in the minor leagues and he played well in the minor leagues before making the switch full time to pro wrestling. How do you think that athletic background helped him stand out as a wrestler? I mean, just being a great natural athlete, uh, is is going to be beneficial whenever you end up being a wrestler, because to be a wrestler you have to be athletic to 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 a high degree to say the less to say the least. Um, but I think Macho Man probably just uh, he he was already disciplined as far as training and as far as staying in shape and as far as you know keeping his body as a as a as a well oiled machine. So that helped him obviously you know making the transition over to the pro wrestling industry. And I think he was just a guy that was gifted with this larger than life personality. And just he he knew how to like turn it on and he knew how to to be himself, but turn the volume up to 13, you know, as opposed to 10. He he was great when it came to that, man. Sometimes when you're a natural athlete, you, you have to put the right things in your body and make sure that you're looking out for yourself. And that's why Matt Hardy, even in his elder age is using AG1 every single day from Athletic Greens. Isn't that right, Matt Hardy? Yes, that is correct. And instead of elder age, I actually say advanced aged. But, you know, <laughs> you, you, you say tomato, I say tomato. You know, yes, AG1s is what it's all about, man. AG1, AG1s are my fountain of youth. Thank you, Boomer, for all of that. What am I talking about with AG1s? I'm talking about one delicious scoop of AG1. You're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. A special blend of ingredients supporting your gut health, nervous system, immune system, recovery, energy, focus, aging, all of those things. I know for a fact that so many people out there every single day go through their medicine cabinet. They go through all their different supplements, Matt Hardy, and they're popping different multivitamins to try to get all of those supplements in their body but with ag1 you're talking about an all-in-one nutritional insurance it's a small micro habit with big time benefits one thing that you can do every single day to take great care of yourself how convenient is it for you matt that you don't got to take all those different multivitamins on the road with you it's extremely convenient i mean the fact that i just have to open up a packet dump it in the water, shake it up, and then I can sip away and I get everything I need for the total day. It makes my life so much easier. It's going to cost you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health. It's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's cheaper than getting brisket and pulled pork in the Austin airport. It's cheaper than getting all those different supplements yourself. It is an all-in-one nutritional insurance. And now it's time to reclaim your health. Arm that immune system with convenient daily nutritional insurance it's just one scoop and a cup of water every day that's it no need for a million different pills and supplements carrying them around gig to gig show to show we want to make it easy for you athletic greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune supporting vitamin d and how many free travel packs my friend five cinco five cinco five free travel Packs. All you got to do, visit athleticgreens.com forward slash Hardy. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash Hardy to take full ownership over your health 
and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Fight Plus is the ultimate digital platform for live sports and entertainment, and they're now offering a free seven-day trial at tryfight.com. Fight Plus is packed with a premium live event schedule, over a 1,000 hours of live action every year, and a library of more than 4,000 hours on demand, plus exclusive content you can't get anywhere else. Fight is a great partner of ours. They support us, so let's support them. Give that free seven-day trial a shot, and you'll be a member for life. That's tryfight.com. T-R-Y-F-I-T-E dot com. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening wherever you listen. Matt, you mentioned before that you started to take notice of Macho Man after the WrestleMania match. But Nate wants to know, when was the exact moment you became a Macho Man fan? He says, he's my personal favorite legend and did better than Hulk in one movie role as Bonesaw McGraw. You remember Bonesaw from the Spider-Man movie? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) McGuire there. So what was the moment that you knew you were going to be a Macho Man fan for life? WrestleMania 4. <clears throat> that that was a turning point for me, not only uh, as a Macho Man fan, but also uh, once again deciding that I wanted my journey in life to be to become a professional wrestler. There was a point where I talked about that commercial earlier that he'd done a Hot Wheels commercial, if, if I'm not mistaken, where he had the row open, he had all the cars in there, and he's talking with the Raspy Boys. And my brother and I, we made a bet on who was going to win the title. We watched the Saturday Night's main event where they had the you know the the twin referees. They did the, the twin magic with the Hebners, <clears throat> and Andre supposedly won the title, and then Million Dollar Man took the title, and he was going to be the champion. We, we that was a big deal for us, and then we were very invested for WrestleMania Four following that Saturday Night's Main Event, and we made bets on who was going to win the tournament, and I picked the Macho Man Randy Savage, and once he won that tournament, I, there was no turning back. Macho Man was my guy, and he was my inspiration to become a professional wrestler. Why was Macho Man your guy in that tournament specifically? He, he was just, I mean, I was i was drawn to him. You know, he, he had a hold on me. He was so charismatic. Uh, no, no one else was like him in WWF at that time. He, he really stood out to me, and I connected with him in many, many ways, especially having this larger-than-life personality, especially having the finishing move, being the elbow drop off the top rope. Those are the things that really attracted me to him. And let, he was my bet. And then once he, every time he won a tournament match and he got closer and closer to the finals. And then once he won and he was the guy that I had, you know, put my money on, so to say, to win that tournament, uh, I was a Macho Man life for, uh, I was a Macho Man fan for life at that point. Do you remember what you wagered? 
Uh, we, we didn't have shit for money, so I'm sure we probably wagered like, uh, you know, someone, Jeff and I, we were going to put, uh, you know, the next lunch we had at school, you know, our pizza was on the line. Someone was going to get double <laughs> pizza. Someone was going to get no pizza. I was going to say, who's eating the extra rice and beans on this particular day between right. you and Jeff? Do you remember who he picked? Oh, gosh. I want to say, gosh, I don't. I don't remember who he picked. It was somebody. I'm trying to even think. Who were the other baby faces in the tournament? Let's pull up the full tournament here. It was, I, I mean, that I feel like was the first true <clears throat> mainstream American pro wrestling tournament, right? Like, yeah, I, I don't think there had been a tournament at that level since I, I, I think there, I think that truly was. So the round of 14 was Jim Duggan, Ted DiBiase, Don Morocco, Dino Bravo, Steamboat, Greg Valentine, Macho Man, Butch Reed, Bam Bam. One man gang, Jake Roberts, Rick Rude, and Hulk Hogan had a, a bye into the first into the quarterfinals. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Of, of Jeff guy. Jeff Mayer went with Hulk. Jeff no, Jeff, Jeff Mayer went with Hulk during this event. Was Jeff a Hulkamaniac? <clears throat> well, we, we both were. Uh we both were earlier before, even like when he had this whole deal with Andre and, and the Hebners did the twin magic. That's where we <clears throat> probably changed our opinion of Hulk a little bit. I think Jeff put his put his money on Hulk. I put my money on Macho for the tournament. Macho Man ended up winning, obviously. But whenever I learned at WrestleMania 5, it was going to be Hogan versus Macho, and Macho Man became a bad guy, and I knew Macho Man was going to lose the title. I We were all out on Hulk. We, we totally turned against Hulk at that time. So once the Warrior beat him at WrestleMania 6, we were so happy because we couldn't wait for someone to beat Hulk Hogan and, and there'd be a different champion. We were so pissed off. That, that Hogan beat Macho Man for the title. Uh, I, that's definitely where we turned on him. <laughs> I, I should tell you that. And that, that's us as, as casual fans in that day and age. I love that so much. Anyone else stand out from that group that I just read off to you? Doug and DiBiase, Morocco, Bravo, Steamboat, Valentine, Butch Reed, Bigelow, Roberts, Rude. Any of those guys stand out to you as favorites at the time for you too? Uh, Ricky Steamboat was a huge favorite of ours at that time too. Uh, I loved him so much. Ted DiBiase, like... Uh, he he was such a good heel. Uh, we hated him, and he pissed us off. But like looking back in hindsight, he was like such a great wrestler, such a great worker, such a great performer. Ted D Ted DiBiase like uh, doesn't necessarily always get the credit that he he deserves. He was he was really really good at what he did. Jake the Snake was so good from a psychology standpoint. There were times where we felt like we we really liked Jake the Snake and we were invested in him, and, and we weren't sure why because he didn't have like the greatest physique and he wasn't the greatest wrestler, didn't have the coolest moves or whatever, but he was a, a very good storyteller, I think, at the end of the day. And there was something about his promos and the mystique behind Jake Roberts that uh, that attracted us a lot. And I think Rick Rude was a, a guy that was also someone we both liked a lot just because he just looked so badass. He just had such a badass look. I think Macho Man was just such a well-rounded performer at that time. And Harvey McCarthy brings this up. This isn't really a question, but I'd love to hear your reaction to it. He says, I'll die on this hill. We do not appreciate the Macho Man enough. On pure talent, he's on my Mount Rushmore with Bret Hart, Kurt Henning, and beautiful Bobby Eaton. All four could wrestle me, put me over, and make me look like Ric Flair. Hell, Savage got good matches out of Warrior. What do you think of that statement there from Harvey? I mean, yeah. I mean, Macho Man is is one of the greatest of all times, no doubt. You know, and 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 sometimes, 
you know, so, sometimes maybe he isn't in all the conversations he, he should be about being one of the goats because he definitely is. Maybe maybe he isn't appreciated as much as he should be. That's really interesting to hear from you, especially as someone who loves him so much. Why do you think he flies under the radar of so many people? I, I mean, maybe he flies underneath the radar because there was never a time that he got to be the the centerpiece of a promotion. He, he was never like the focal point of a promotion. I feel like he probably, he probably got lost in Hogan's shadow more often than not. So that, that would, that would be why I feel like he probably doesn't get all the credit he deserves. You know, you, you have guys like Hogan, who's always going to be talked about, who was definitely on top of the mountain and no one was really near him. Right. You have a stone cold and rock. They were both on top of the mountain, but they, they both stood out as like being the, the, the focal points of the promotion at that time. Uh, Rick Flair, if you look back at NWA and even in the WCW, he was the focal point of the promotion at that time. I don't, I don't think there was ever a point where Macho, Macho Man like rose to that level where he was ever the, the total focal point of everything in the promotion. Does that I, make have sense? A, I have a modern day comparison to what you just said, the point you're trying to make. And mm -hmm. I, I want to know what you think of it. I would say that in the context of everything you just said, the modern day Macho Man would be Seth Rollins. Okay. Yeah. What do you think about that? Like, is that the same realm you're talking about where like so, so much success, incredibly yeah. decorated, well-rounded, a guy that the company can count on to be a top guy, but has never really been given the opportunity to be the guy in the company. I, I think that's a, an extremely fair comparison, John. I'm just trying to contextualize it for people who may not have had a chance to watch Macho Man at that right. time. You know, how would it, translate in today's modern era and i think seth rollins is kind of in that same realm and i'm not saying that seth rollins is as prolific as the macho man randy savage per se maybe one day he will be who's to say there's still plenty of years left on seth rollins career he's going to be in a marvel movie now i don't know if you saw that but he's going to be in the I new did. captain america movie so congrats to him but i just i i think that's the realm that i look at it uh chris says I hate to keep playing the Hogan held him down card when referring to past wrestlers, but I agree. This one certainly falls in that category. Maybe held him down is harsh, but being caught in the shadow for sure. Do you agree with that? Yeah. I, I mean, who, who knows politically what is going on at that time? You, you can never really tell. But but without a doubt, he kind of macho man fell in the Hogan shadow, I think. And because Hogan was such a big deal, he was such a big star and the whole company was on his back and they were going to build around him. It was, it was very hard for Macho Man to surpass Hogan at that time and, and really get the, the credit, you know, that he deserved at that time for being such an amazing top worker. Where does the mega power story stand for you in wrestling history as far as greatest stories told? Uh, I, I like the mega power story a lot. Uh, once again, as I said, I was watching as a young kid that was a casual fan, uh, totally full of fandom. And whenever they split, I was immediately mad because I knew what this meant. I, I knew that they were going to be fine. I, I knew that Macho Man was going to end up losing the title to Hogan. Uh, and, and it made me turn on Hogan at that point. It, it's the first time where I really – wrestling got me pissed off. And there was – I was like, Jesus Christ, th th my, my guy now, he's going to be a bad guy and he's going to lose the title. Oh, this sucks. You know, but like looking back in hindsight, Macho Man, I thought he was great as a face. I thought he was great as a heel. He was probably – better as a heel in some ways because he really knew how to turn it up and he really knew how to get under people's skin, I think. But uh, th that that point, 
Macho Man was going to be a lifelong favorite of mine, whether he was a good guy or a bad guy. I was going to cheer for him. I was going to have his back. And and whenever the Mega Power split up, I was so mad because I knew WrestleMania was coming up. I knew that was going to end up being the main event of WrestleMania, and I knew it was going to end Randy Savage's title reign. It's a great segue here because Brad Bell from Ad Free Shows says, Hey, Matt, the Macho Man got me interested in wrestling when I was a kid as an all-time favorite of mine. I'm curious if you preferred him as a heel or a babyface. I preferred babyface personally, but he was so great at both. Well, I preferred him as Bayface because I was going to cheer for him, regardless, I think, you know, but like he, he was really good at being a heel, too. So he 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 did both things really, really good. And uh, one of one of my favorite statements I've ever heard made was from Ric Flair, because someone was asking him, said, where do you think you rank against Ricky Steamboat in terms of being a great worker? Because they were talking about that great series and the great trilogy of matches they had, you know, back in the, the late 80s. And uh, I remember Ric Flair said, well, I'll, ju- I'll just leave, I'll, I'll leave this. Think about this a little bit. He said, uh, I was great as a babyface, and I was great as a heel. Ricky Steamboat was only great as a babyface. You tell me who's better. And uh, he's got a great point there. You know what I mean? Because it's very important to kind of be able to – you have to be able to do both things to, to really be a well-rounded professional. And I think it would be, uh, you know, to, to, to be called one of the goats in, in some ways. It's really important to show that you're well-rounded. So that, that's a, such a great point. And I, I think that also stands with Macho Man because he could do both things so, so well. You know, Ric Flair was great as a heel and a babyface. And I think Macho Man was great as a heel and a babyface, maybe even better than Ric Flair because Ric Flair was was better off as a heel, I thought, at the end of the day. And Macho Man, he, he's almost on the same level. You know, him as a, him as a babyface and him as a heel, they, they were both excellent. He excelled in both categories. One of the most critical elements of the Macho Man's character throughout the course of his career, but especially the early goings of his popularity and in that mega power story was Miss Elizabeth. Elizabeth, one of the first true standout women in Vince McMahon's WWF and partners with, partnered with the Macho Man was part of a major package and telling emotional stories Brad Stan wants to know how important was Elizabeth to Macho Man's character, especially early on? I mean, she was paramount. I mean, she was one of his, you know, she was one of his biggest stories. And she also helped push the character forward because, like, his jealousy of people wanting to help Miss Elizabeth or looking at Miss Elizabeth, that, that fueled so much of his character, especially as a heel. You know, so she was she was paramount to his character and she she made a huge difference. And I also have to give Randy credit because he embraced that and he he wasn't afraid that folk putting all the focus on Elizabeth as as part of a storytelling tool was going to take away from his heat or his attention or his popularity. Because sometimes I feel like if you really want to get an act over, you have to be selfless in many ways, whatever it may be. I mean, I, I feel like that's something that Jeff and I were very good with when we were with, with, with Lita because we we did so many things with her that a lot of other talent wouldn't have allowed her to do. But we want to do it because we're the greater good of the, of the unit. And I think Macho Man always did that. He was thinking about the greater good. So he would put a spotlight on Elizabeth to put focus on her so that he could keep telling the story about their relationship. Did young matter Jeff Hardy have a crush on Miss Elizabeth? Um, I, I, I didn't, I don't know where, where Jeff stood, but I, I think we both thought she was very classically pretty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was just, she, she seemed very innocent, you know, and, and just, uh, like a damsel in distress. I, I feel like that's kind of the I'm role. I'm so glad you said that though. I'm so glad you said it because that was the key. 
to her character's success, right? She played this classic movie character that we've seen a million times. And maybe in 2023, that doesn't translate quite as well. But back then, it was such an easy, identifiable character to care about. And that's why when Macho Man is pushing her away as the mega powers split, it becomes so emotionally charged. And then furthermore, when they reunite, I think a lot of people look at that as like an all-time great pro wrestling moment when they got back together. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What would you think of when they reunited and they had that big emotional moment? Uh, that, that was cool. I was very happy for that because I was a Macho Man fan. I, I loved him and Elizabeth together. Uh, speaking of the damsel in distress and talking about how she portrayed a character that really isn't portrayed in this day and age, I remember when the, the Mega Powers wrestled against Ted DiBiase and Andre the Giant at SummerSlam. Whenever she like pulled her dress off and she just had on like the kind of the bikini bottom or whatever, like, whoa, that was like a big deal for her because she never, she never stunted, you know, she, she never tried to be objectified or she was never a sexual object. And that was kind of the, the, the first thing that she ever did that like wasn't ladylike in some ways. So that was a big deal. And I, th- I think it had a lot of effect. It was used in a very, in a very good space as far as having a powerful effect and leading to the finish of the match and everything. And that, that really shows how well she followed the guidelines of being like a classic lady in the story. Once they had that that reuniting moment, they got back together. I thought that was so cool. And then once they had the, you know, uh, the 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 marriage that was on television, which ended up getting busted. Of course, it's going to because it's it's pro wrestling, and there's going to be a marriage on a pay per view, and it's going to get busted by somebody. Whenever the Jake the Snake did the thing, and the snake bit Macho Man, that's one of my fondest memories in wrestling too. That was so amazing. It was so graphic, and and it was so amazing. That was a big deal for both me and Jeff. So it really sounds like he captured your imagination quite a bit, more so than any other performer at the time. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. Hey, guys, need to call a quick time out here. Wanted to tell your listeners what I've been telling my listeners over at OU didn't know for a while now about all the cool things happening over at adsfreeshows.com. An all-new Mailbag series debuts later this month on Ad-Free Shows as we pick the brain of a man who has spent 40-plus years in the wrestling business. Longtime WCW and WWE referee Nick Patrick answers your questions. And Kurt Angle. We you get beer on it. Or milk. It ended up being my own blood. Austin had, <laughs> had, had the title. It had the jagged edges on it, right? And it had a deal where, where uh, uh, Angle pulled me in and I took a belt shot. A little bonus content comes your way, courtesy of The Kurt Angle Show. A dream match became a reality back in 2016 as Kurt Angle squared off against Cody Rhodes on the Independent. For the first time, Kurt watches back his match against the American Nightmare. This kid's really talented. He's selling the ankle here on the leapfrog, went down on it awkwardly. He's outside the ring talking to the referee. This is, like you said, all part of the match plan. Hey, start to show that weakness in the ankle. Yeah, yeah, this was uh, his idea to you know, make it look like he hurt his ankle so that when he did lose, <laughs> he had something to gripe about. Ad-free show members have chatted one-on-one with AEW stars like Eddie Kingston, Dax Harwood, Ricky Starks, and many more, including a recent live interactive session with Renee Paquette. He still continues to do that. He's on commentary in AEW. Um, so it, I think it was cool for him to kind of put on that analyst hat 
and get to kind of test out those waters a little bit. But end of the day, it was a thing that I think made him feel like, you know what? Wrestling can be okay again. I can have fun in the wrestling space again. And, and now we have CM Punk Wrestling. So you're welcome. That's just a small taste of what we got waiting for you. With four levels to choose from, see for yourself why ads-free shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now at adsfreeshows.com. He was one of those guys, too, very much like yourself, recognized that there would have to be some evolution to his character and his ring work. He dealt with a lot of injuries towards the end of his WWF tenure. He did the commentary gig. Right. Did you ever get a chance to interact with him during those early enhancement days when he was there doing some commentary? And I I know he wasn't really working so much, but did you get a chance to pick his brain or meet him? Uh, Very little. We, we did meet him. Uh, We got to exchange a little small talk and, and that was it. Say hello. And he was nice. And, Never really, never really talked on a on a deep level, but we did get to have some small talk with him and interact with him. And he was he was always very nice, very kind to us. What did that mean to you to meet your pro wrestling hero for the first time? I mean, it was it was a big deal. You know, I remember the very first time that we were booked to be extras at, at WWE, which is in May of 1994. I remember two of the biggest moments for me were actually showing up at the building and and two of the first people that we saw were Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels and they were just like shooting the shit and they were having a conversation and laughing and joking and we're like see it's just like we thought it was it's just like we've been doing you know they had this ladder match and they were the biggest rivals ever but they're cool they're cool with each other and they're like buddies it's so cool and then that that was a very powerful moment and then a little later on in the day we got to see macho man and and we chatted with him briefly and had a conversation with him and then that was a that was a big deal man you know anytime you you meet someone that you you grew up idolizing someone you're a big fan of and and they're kind to you i think that's a a very important component of having you continue to be a fan of theirs so he goes to wcw and He's a big part of this outsider story, and we know how Bash at the Beach unfolds with Hogan <laughs> joining Scott Hall and Kevin Nash forming the NWO, and eventually Macho Man uh, finds his way over to the NWO and top guy Bobby. Well, hell, Bobby, he says uh, he wants to know, Matt, what was your reaction when Macho Man joined the NWO? Uh, I mean, it, I don't know. It was kind of all over the place at that time. I, I feel like, you know, it was, it was, all right. I mean, I was just happy to see Macho Man like back in the ring, back doing his thing and, and back being an active competitor. You know, I, I wasn't necessarily overthinking what his booking was. I was just very appreciative that I got to see him, uh, apply, you know, uh, apply his craft and, and be a pro wrestler for, for uh, a longer amount of time because I, I was really, I was really down. Like when he did that commentary and he wasn't wrestling anymore, like I missed out seeing him, man. Like I just, I loved him as a performer. And even if he wasn't the, the young prime Randy Savage, I was still excited just to see him wrestle because I was, you know, just through and through a, a macho man, Randy Savage fan. So piggybacking off that a little bit, him getting back in the ring, a friend of the show, wrestling historian wants to know what's your favorite Randy Savage match in WWF and WCW. 
I would probably say my favorite match is when he won the title, the final match of the tournament at WrestleMania 4, just because he became the champion. I thought that was so well-deserved. Uh, probably his greatest match, and his best match in WWF, I would say, would be the match versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, which we talked about earlier, but it was just such a, uh, such a breakthrough match at that moment in time, and it really kind of set the standard of where pro wrestling would go going forward. Uh, when it comes to WCW, it's crazy. I don't remember the specific match, it, maybe it was a Halloween Havoc, but him and DDP, I remember they I'm had a moment. I'm so glad you said DDP. That, 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 that was really good, and I, and I thought it was great. And it was like later in Macho Man's career, so I was I was real hyped to see him get that opportunity and have that, have that great match. So DDP has gone on record in saying that Macho Man made him a made man in wrestling with the yeah. few that they had. And he was sitting in the locker room with DDP uh, one day, and – Macho Man essentially said to I'm paraphrasing here. You can listen to the story on DDP's old podcast, DDP Snake Pit. But Macho Man basically just looked at him and was like, hey, kid, uh, why don't you hit me with the diamond cutter today? And Dallas couldn't believe it because that was not something that he ever envisioned that he was going to be able to do and that Randy was going to be so giving. Uh, I think he helped make him. I totally agree with that assessment. Uh, what's your take on that and how he elevated DDP? I, I definitely think he did. I, I remember that feud. Uh, DDP's his value and and the equity he it went through the roof. I mean, it it really was the the thing that really put DDP on my map as being like a uh, a top tier wrestler at that time. So I, I I do I do believe in that too, and I, I do agree that that is really the the feud and the program that elevated DDP to the next level. And of course, I feel like the most iconic part about the Macho Man is his cadence. That's right. Everyone's got a Macho Man impression in some capacity. And we got so many questions about the Macho Man impressions alone. First off, who do you think has the best Macho Man impression? Because uh, Chai Salazar wants Jay to Lethal. Know. Yeah, Jay so, Lethal. So, <laughs> so they want to know what can you say about Jay Lethal's Macho Man impression? I mean, just everything about the Macho Man, his mannerisms uh, to the way he speaks. Jay Lethal just he nails it, man. He does such a great job of it. I, I, I love it. I'm such a fan of, of Jay Lethal's Macho Man impressions. Well, now I'm going to put you on the spot because the Bears asked, "Can you do your best? The cream of the crop rises to the top. Oh yeah, impression. The cream of the crop always rises to the top. Oh yeah, dig it. <laughs> do you have a favorite Macho Man promo? Uh, I, I saw the one that has been circulating recently on social media. Have you seen that? Uh, maybe yeah, it became like a thing. Like on TikTok, oh, for a cup of coffee, yeah. Oh, just a cup of coffee, yeah, a cup of coffee. And so many people were like doing bits and parodies to it, uh, that that promo. I don't know if I have one specific promo. I, I mean, I was just just a fan of his like insanity. You know, he would just, he, he would go on, you know, he, he would just go on a tangent and go nuts. And I love that. Uh, Chris says, I've torn so many vocal cords trying to do this impression <laughs> it, it is it is so distinct right there's never been anyone like him in the industry that sounds like him and carried himself in that way and like i even just think of the spider-man movie where he's right. his bone saw and he's so identifiably 
macho man in that scene even so bone saws it's it's so fantastic and larger than life and i think larger than life is the best way to encompass the macho man randy savage what is one thing you learned from the macho man and i'm not saying necessarily something that he told you because i know you said your interactions were minimal but what is one thing as a performer that you learned from watching the macho man I mean, I, I just think he was so committed to the bit, you know, once he got in character and whatever he was doing, whatever the story was, he, he was totally committed to the bit. And I think that's one of the most important things you can do as a, a pro wrestler. You know, once you kind of choose a path to go down and you kind of have a feel of what your character is and what your persona is, you have to stay committed to that. And if your story takes you in a little bit of a different direction where you have to do something that you wouldn't typically do in real life, you have to like go out on a limb and you have to, to do those things and you have to act like that. You know? So I, I, th- I think Macho Man was just committed to the bit more than anybody else at that point. We've hit on this in the past, but Randy's last match is actually in TNA. Yeah. And your brother got to be a part of it. It takes place at Turning Point 2004. It's a tag team match. And he comes in at the last minute to save your brother Jeff and AJ Styles. Right. How badly did you want to be part of that match? Adrian wants to know. And what did Jeff think of getting a chance to be part of it? Oh, I, I was positively envious. Positively envious. Uh, I, I would have loved to have teamed with Macho Man or got to, to work with him, you know, in some capacity while he was still working. Uh, Jeff was excited. Jeff was excited for it. He thought it was cool. I, I'll never forget. There was a funny story that Jeff told me. He said, "Hey, I was just thinking." Like, and Jeff is one guy to just like throw out wild ideas about matches anyway. And he said, "Hey, I was thinking." He said, "You you want to like go up to the top rope and both come off with like the double axe handles, you know, that you do the floor?" He's like, well, "Brother, I can't do that." He said, "My fucking knees would pop out, brother." I can't do that anymore. And Jeff said, what do you want to just jump off the air? He said, no. He said, if I jump at all, my knees will pop out, brother. Yeah. Dig it. <laughs> but I love the fact that Jeff asked Macho Man if he wanted to do a double axe handle off the floor, off the uh, top uh, top rope to the floor. I mean, shoot your shot, right? Why not? <laughs> yeah, no, I agreed. Agreed. I'm sure you would have asked him to do an elbow drop at some point if you had that of in course. him. Of course, yeah. Yeah, I would have let him land on me. I said, let me, let me be there like, uh, someone can be covering me. Just land on us both. We'll cushion. Yeah, I mean, Squishes. What, what a bucket list item that would have been for you. Uh, Brad Wise, <laughs> big fan of the show. Thank you for your reviews every single week, Brad. Uh, what up, Brad? What up, Brad Wise? He says, you've definitely talked about this before, but do you collect anything Macho Man related? And if so, what's the coolest piece? No, I, I, I'm not really a big collector of anything. Like the only thing I've, I've really tried hard to collect from pro wrestling is just like all my figures and, and Jeff stuff too. And I have like a, I have that set up downstairs in my game room, so to say. Um, but, but as far as macho man stuff goes, I, I don't really have anything that I had collected when I was younger. I remember there was one point when I got some of his posters when I was a, a fan of him and I had, I had a bunch of macho man posters in my room, in my childhood room when I was young, that'd probably be what I, I collected of him more than anything else. If there was one Macho Man piece of memorabilia that you could own, what would it be? Would it be a robe? Would it be oh, a robe? one of his robes, without a doubt. Yeah, one of his earlier iconic robes. You know, when he was first on that early run to becoming the WWF World Champion the first time. Yeah, I, I think that's probably something a lot of fans would be into. Matthew Podcast Network 
Wants to know what would Broken Matt Hardy call Macho Man Randy Savage? Uh, I think Broken <laughs> Matt Hardy would say, "Yes, I am so excited about deleting the Savage Man that is Macho." Yes, Savage Man that is Macho. Well, Michael wants to know if there was a Macho Man versus Broken Matt Hardy match at the Compound, what would the name of it be? The Savage Deletion. The Savage Deletion. I like that. Perfect. That's perfect. It works out perfect. Man, Macho Man could have been such a character in the Broken Universe. Oh, boy. I would have loved to have got the Macho Man on the Hardy Compound. Oh, man. I, I, I could have gave him a two or three year longer run, brother. You could have because he wouldn't have had to <laughs> jump off anything. His knees wouldn't have yeah. exploded. You're right. That's, yeah. That's so great. His, Dylan knees, his, knees wouldn't, his knees wouldn't have popped out. His kneecaps wouldn't have popped out of his legs. Dylan wants to know, was there ever an event that Matt was close to wrestling on with Randy and what match would you book for yourself against Randy if you had the opportunity to? No, there there wasn't a time that I was close to wrestling him at all, which uh, I would have loved to have done. Even young green Matt Hardy would have loved to have gotten the ring, been able to say and, and put that on your resume that you wrestled the Macho Man Randy Savage. I, I would have loved to have wrestled the Macho Man Randy Savage in a false count anywhere match. I, I think that that, that would have been cool. That had been a lot of fun. That had been something that had been right up his alley too. Why, why do you say that? Uh, I, I just think that th there were things he would do that I, I feel like um, he, he would think out of the box, just like when he did the deal where he dropped the bell. It was on Ricky Steamboat's throat, right? When he dropped the yep. bell on Ricky Steamboat's mm -hmm. throat. And, you know, they didn't know if Steamboat was going to be able to make it to his match and whatnot. I feel like he was very creative when it, come to, it came to doing things out, outside of the ring. He wasn't just necessarily like an on-the-mat technician. You know, the fact that he would run and – drape someone's throat over the top rope and he would go to the floor, the double ax handle off the top rope to the floor that he would do, you know, the elbow drop. I feel like he was just very creative and, and just having a false count anywhere match. I feel like he'd have like, he'd be overflowing with all these creative ideas and we would just do a lot of really cool, fun, creative stuff. I think that moment where he drops the bell on steamboat in their build to WrestleMania is right. one of the best character studies and heel work that you're going to find. It was so brutal looking at the time, especially like and it was shocking too. Right. No one thought that the macho man would go to that length. And I like that about him that even though he was such a great baby face, he was willing to do whatever he needed to, to get that heel heat as well. And I feel like that's something that you've kind of embraced over the years as well. Indeed. Agreed. Just look in our archive, your feud with Jeff Hardy that we covered ad nauseum the past few weeks that uh, has really showcased just what lengths you were willing to go to and things that you were willing to say to get that heel hate. Like you said, don't be afraid to be a dick, right? <laughs> no, you, you, have to, you have to relinquish your fear of being an asshole. A hole of the ass. Eddie says Bruno tried to strangle Macho. Yeah, it's, I, I, I actually, I would like to go back and watch some of the, the, the Bruno Macho matches. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure there's some that are out there online. I, I know they actually worked quite a bit later on, like when he was the, the IC champion, but I would like to go back and watch some of those. He was a transcendent performer who he, I think he broke some barriers. He captivated so many minds and I'm just, I'm glad he got his enshrinement in the WWE hall of fame after all the years of politics when he finally got that call a few years back, I, right. I know the hall of fame itself is not 
you know, it's, it's give or take for however you look at it. But uh, was that special for you to get to see Macho Man go in there finally? Uh, it was cool. I mean, it was definitely deserved. And uh, I'm, I'm glad he he received that honor because he was someone who was totally deserving of it. I mean, he, he is someone that made – he was someone that made a huge impact in pro wrestling. And he was also someone who inspired many, many people, me being one, uh, to become professional wrestlers. That's amazing, man. And I'm glad that we got to talk about his legacy here on this episode. I like this episode because I feel like we got to see that wrestling encyclopedia side of your brain, just picking the knowledge because none of this was pre-planned knowledge. We didn't go back and watch stuff for this. This is just Matt Hardy talking about wrestling as a passion. This was such a transformative period for you in your childhood, I feel like. Yeah, it, it really was. I mean, it's it's what gave me the wrestling bug. You know, Macho Man is the guy that was responsible for giving me the wrestling bug and, and really making me want to, you know, chase down this dream and and obtain it. You know, so I have to give him have to give him credit for that because I was just so attracted and and his character, his persona, just had a huge hold on me. And he's the one who motivated me to 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 be this larger than life, you know, real time stuntman slash superhero type character. When you're in the TWF and early Omega days, are you stealing anything from Macho Man? Oh, oh I mean, yeah. I mean, my, my character was a, a combination of Macho Man and Michael PSAs, ironically. How about that? My, my, finisher, my finisher was the elbow drop off the top rope. Two of your all-time favorites coming into effect here for young Matt Hardy. Uh, this, this is great stuff, Matt. Uh, Eddie wants to add on the Bruno front, the way that Bruno showed his anger towards Macho after what Macho did to Steamboat did a good job to show how dire the situation was. Yeah. It's a good element of storytelling, something we talked about early on in this episode here. Matt, next week on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, very excited about this episode. We are going to be talking about and watching TLC 3. I feel like this is the forgotten TLC match. It and is. As you've alluded to on this podcast in the past, not even you guys were privy to its existence until right before the match. What yes. can people look forward to when we talk about this one next week? Uh, uh, you, you'll see the original forefathers of the TLC all pulling up to the building and being shocked that we uh, just got added late in the day into a, another TLC match because they were scrambling between injuries and whatnot and, and trying to to elevate Chris Jericho and Chris Benoit at that time. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's pretty shocking. There, there was a lot of, uh, th there's a lot of surprises that are going to come out of this episode. A lot of things that uh, will, will make you go, whoa, you know, because it was just such a day that we were literally like, we were calling it on the fly, brother. I mean, there was so much stuff that, that just happened spontaneously that day. It was insane. Calling a TLC match on the fly. That is pretty insane. And we're going to talk about it here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, which you can be a part of every single week. Just head over to advertisewithhardy.com. Promote your business to the extreme. Get your product or your business out in front of thousands of listeners and viewers every single week. Advertisewithhardy.com. And of course, as always, you can head over to extremehardy.com. And make sure you're subscribed to The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Of course, uh, again, th this is a podcast that has great reach, and we want you to be a part of it. And Matt, 
how can they best help support the show if they go check it out per se on ad free shows or on Apple podcasts or Spotify? What can fans do to help continue to grow the podcast? To continue to grow this podcast, which myself and John, we would greatly appreciate is uh, you guys go back and, and, and check out our past episodes, you know, besides just watching this week's current episode, go back into the archives, watch all the episodes, binge, listen, or binge watch on YouTube, whatever it may be. And if you genuinely like what you hear and, and you like our, uh, you know, our, our, our storytelling, our conversation, our discourse, uh, then let us know. Leave us a review and, and please screenshot it. Send it to myself or John or, you know, to the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy uh, Twitter account at Matt Hardy Pod and give us that five, Cinco, five, Cinco, five-star review. And that helps us out greatly and it helps spread the word about the Matt Hardy Pod. This one comes from Brad. The Firm Delete. He says, great episode this week. Cool to have Isaiah and RJ City around. Want to compliment this show on how it uses guest appearance, never overexposed. They don't come on every single week, but enough to make it feel special. This episode's no different. Real honest stories straight from the mouth of the people performing in the match this week. The firm deletion was a great match with realness to the broken hearty world. Calling it a match almost seems to undersell it. I would call it a movie. The time and production to all these beautiful moments on our screen blows your mind. Good stuff. Also, side note, the first 15 minutes or so is some of the funniest stuff on this podcast. Isaiah, Matt, and John get along. It's nice to start with light hearted joking. Things did get a little out of hand last week, but I kind of loved every second of it. Same. Same, man. I, I like it when things get a little crazy sometimes. Your your moan man is wild. Oh yeah, my moan man is wild. You're you're right. He's uh he he's he, he's 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 young. He's still single. He's not locked down. He's just living his best life, man. Single brothers a huh? Single brothers a. Maybe he'll be taking some notes out of the playbook of single Matt Hardy. I guess we'll have to find out. He says another outstanding episode from Matt. And John, thank you, Eddie, and thank you to all the top thank guys you, and top gals who tuned in this week and every single week to adfreeshows.com. Anything else you'd like to add here, my friend? Yeah, uh, thanks to all the top guys, top gals for hanging out with us today. A lot of fun. Always love having you here, kind of uh, getting a sneak peek behind the curtain, checking out the uh, the, the Wizard of Oz and and uh, and John Alba, um, or <laughs> the Wizard of Oz and Matt Hardy, however, whichever way you want to slice it. But no, it's always great to have you guys here, and, and thank you so much for just being so supportive of the extreme life of Matt Hardy. It means a lot to myself and John because we do put a lot of passion into these, uh, into these episodes. We got some cool announcements hopefully coming up in the coming weeks. I was making some texts. We might be hitting some town soon, Matt Hardy, and that's always, always exciting. So make sure you stay tuned with the extreme life of Matt Hardy at ExtremeHardy.com. The words have been spoken. We'll see you next week right here on the extreme life of Matt Hardy. Adios, amigos.